Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2 and 98.3 FM. This is the Insight Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. And boy, do we have a doozy of a conversation for you tonight. Just behind infidelity, money problems in a marriage is the number two reason why they fail. Well, tonight... We're talking to a couple that may have the secret sauce for success when it comes to making the money game work. Asado and Chanel, Chanel Outlaw are co-authors of Merging Finances, an interactive couple's guide, Five Essential Keys to Merging Your Finances Successfully. I know you want to talk about this tonight and you have your own thoughts about money and marriage. Lines are open. Give us a call. At 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810, you can X me at hfisher, W-H-U-R, or you can find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, hey good evening. Good, good evening. evening. Uh, we also need to, uh, there, there's a first here at W-H-U-R. For the very first time since I have been doing this show, we have a baby in the studio, but it's <laughs> but the baby is a, is actually behind the glass, well taken care of, with um, our our audio engineer and our trusty intern Imani Rhodes. So you two are on your road back then. <laughs> how how old, his name is Lion? How old is Lion? Uh, seven. He's seven weeks old, and today. we also have a today actually yep. yes, and we also have a. Uh, uh, eight-year-old Jeremiah as well. Wow, Brand, Brandon, you still have the receipt. Shout out to Jeremiah <laughs> Bean. Okay, all right. Well, well, we'll talk about babies next time. All right, but all that, right. Now we're going to talk about some money. So, okay. as, so as, as we know, um, and, and and let's kind of give a little bit of background. You two have you have a you know it's a blended marriage, mm-hmm. a bl- yes. blended family, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, so. How do you talk about money with your significant other? You've been married, what, four years? Yes, we have. Chanel, when did you first start talking about the conversation, uh, having the conversation about money? And and what was that like? Um, So when we first started to have the conversation about money is... Um, my husband, his background and what he does for a living is in finance. So that first couple of questions that are on our first date was like, hey, how is your spending habits? And what do you like to do for fun? And he had most of those kind of questions. That's really romantic <laughs> on a first date. Hey, baby, how are your spending habits? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, the first one was, uh, what was your credit score? I was like, oh. On, on your first date? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like he, to cut right to the chase. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, that. Uh. <laughs> it was yes, very interesting topic. Um, so in that topic and in that conversation, um, I just was transparent and I told him, you know, at the time, you know, I'm a single mom. Um, I only have one credit card, and and I told him what my spending habits were, and he was like, um, you know, I can definitely help you. 
uh, become better. You know, is not, that what he said? Yeah, he definitely did. He you said, said I can help you on your first date. <laughs> yeah, I did. I sure did. And how, and how is it that you all are still together? <laughs> <laughs> when you using that kind of language, uh, I can help you. <laughs> and at the, and and for me, um, I was at a place in a season of my life where. I know I wanted to be married and, uh, you know, you're dating. And so you're dating with the intent. So mm-hmm. when we went on this first date, it was the intent to see, OK, is this someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Um, you know, when you talk about love and then when you talk about children, you know, finances is, is another big topic. So I wanted to make sure that I had someone that I could trust in and actually someone that would be able to trust me back as well. And the biggest thing is really the stability part. Um, so I know who I, I know who I am as a person, you know, and I know my aspirations is to to be a, a full time entrepreneur. And I wanted to make sure, like, say, okay, hey, if these are my goals and my aspirations, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like you can support it? Um, you know, there's certain individuals who don't, you know don't feel comfortable dating entrepreneurs because they feel more comfortable with someone that gets a paycheck every two weeks. You know, with an entrepreneur, it can come in a big lump sum one month and then a couple another months, you know, you're, it, you know, it's kind of, you're kind of hustling to try to get it up again. So, you know, that takes a special kind of person um, in my, in my thinking. So I, I wanted to, to ask you because, you know, all, you know, all jokes aside, um, I, I that that's uh, that that is a little. <laughs> gosh, I can't imagine. Um, had you ever asked that question of a, of a woman before you met Chanel a, a, about on a first date? Not as directly. Uh-huh. Um, at that point in time, when Chanel and I started dating, I was at a place where I was also ready for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was single for a whole year. I was celibate. I wasn't dating any women. I was only dating myself. Mm-hmm. So I would go to the movies by myself, hang out by myself, go to the restaurants and sit and eat by myself. So at that point, I had I felt whole. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like uh, I was damaged or you know damaged goods or anything like that. So I don't know. I felt mature enough to take the conversation seriously and just really put it out there, be transparent, be somewhat vulnerable. You know, I don't want to be that macho, super masculine guy. I can be vulnerable and be very transparent and say, hey, these are the things that I, that I desire out of life. Mm-hmm. These are my ambitions. These, this is what drives me. This is what my passion is. If you can't get behind my vision, then I know you're not the woman for me because we're just going to be butting heads. And it does sound to me uh, when you were able to ask her that question directly and she was receptive to that mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. then it seems that that was the big ding chemistry mm-hmm. between the two where she uh, was not taken aback by that question and that she was comfortable talking about it and uh, and as as opposed to her saying, "Well, you just met me," mm-hmm. or you know, and 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 that's real, because yes. while some people may not may realize that the money question is important, they may not necessarily be comfortable mm-hmm. having those conversations on a first date when 
you didn't even know what her favorite color was, mm-hmm. other than perhaps green. <laughs> but <laughs> you see, she her face just lit up. So I that- actually wore a green dress. <laughs> 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 I was like, did you see the picture? Yeah. Oh yeah, my I did. gracious! I wore, I wore a green dress oh, on the first date. That is, yeah. Oh my god, this is gonna be a long hour. No. Uh, <laughs> 202-319-7810 We're talking about money and marriage. Can the two go hand in hand comfortably? If you have a comment, if you have a question, give us a call at 202-319-7810 202-319-7810 Kind of walk me through the five essential keys to merging uh, your finances. And and let me, even before we do that, let's talk about the merging of finances. How old were you all when you got married? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. So we're six years apart. Six years apart. But four, so it was four years ago. So mm-hmm. you, um, um, I'll be 32 in two weeks. And I'll be 38 in January. So... I would think that traditionally for a lot of really young couples starting out, say, for example, if they get married in their 20s, do people do that anymore? Oh, yes. Yes, we actually are attending a wedding um, in January and both of the couples are 23. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for for young people, it may be easier to merge your finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, For more mature couples who may be more established, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you find that that is a bigger challenge? Uh, I can speak. I'll say... I've heard couples, and and going back to the construct of what merging, although we hear the name merging finances and it's assumed it's just going to be all this money in one pot, mm-hmm. um, we really want to build that platform and build that understanding for people to know merging finances goes beyond just the merge of a bank account. This is where you all are merging your lives together, and this is where you all are working together as a team to create that legacy that you all feel that you all want as a family. So when it comes down to just merging and that financial part, it goes besides just buying a home. It goes aside from just having children. It goes to vacations and mm-hmm. retirement. And it goes to all of that with that merging of finances truly, really means. So when people, especially we say more seasoned couples and older couples, they hear, the first thing they're hearing is like, oh, I have to give up my bank account or they have to take all this. No, you can still have two separate bank accounts. You can still do what you're doing now. But that merging part is how can you merge your life, their life and bring it into one? And that's the key thing, because that financial part it still affects. You know, when you get married and you say, I do, you, you're both held accountable for that household. You know, for that, what comes in, what goes out, you know. So even though I may not pay uh, for his car note, it's still money being taken away from the general, mm-hmm. from the overall. And that's that's the that's the understanding that we all have to kind of look at, not just his her, her money, his money. It's still it's still really our money mm-hmm. as a practical matter, however. And I agree with everything that you said, because it's one thing when you're talking about merging money. It's another thing about merging lives. And that can go without merging money for some people, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, as a practical matter, do 
and Chanel, you you kind of touched on this. You don't have to have just one account. Do both of you have an account that is wholly separate from a single account? I mean, do you have do you have a fun do you have an, a fun account for yourself where you it, it, I don't know if you if you want to do something uh, just you know just for yourself that is not part of a a joint account, for example. The answer, the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But going back to your previous question, the biggest challenge of bringing our blended family together and being one cohesive um, unit was communication and trust. And those are the first two, well, the second and the third chapter in the book and understanding each other's money language. So the first chapter was understanding each other's money language. Um, the second chapter was establishing communication which is healthy and then the third chapter was building trust so once we were able to conquer all three of those things it became much easier to put into practice the things that we, the the ideas and concepts that we desire for our for our marriage so but to answer your question yes we do have she has a separate account i have a separate account we do have a joint merged account Okay, and because I want to ask some other questions about that. 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. We are talking about marriage and money with Estado and Chanel Outlaw, co-authors of Merging Finances and Interactive Couples Guide, Five Essential Keys to Merging Your Finances Successfully. That title is longer than some marriages. But I will, <laughs> let, me, let me go to the phone line, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Kira calling from D.C. Thanks for calling, Kira. What's on your mind? Kira, can you hear me? Kira, call me back if you can. Let me... Okay, she hung up. Uh, Thamey from Virginia. Did I pronounce that correctly? Thamey, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, go right ahead. Oh, good. Um, uh, I didn't hear what, how you pronounce my name, but it's Thamey. Okay, I got, I got it right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unusual names for 500. Go right ahead. <laughs> well... Um, I just wanted to say at the time, at, what, at the beginning when I was listening to um, everyone speaking about marriage, I didn't originally hear the whole title in the book. But I have been married for 23 years. I'm 53 years old. And I absolutely agree with everything they said. Um, everything in your book is absolutely correct. If a marriage works with money, it, it has to because you have to pay for bills and you're merging everything. But it's really more so their ideals and how you talk to and communicate about the money that makes it work. I've married 23 years in the next two weeks, and it's never been an issue. Money itself has not been an issue in our marriage because a lot of times money, a marriage is going to go up and down. You'll have good times, bad times, and sick times, and in between times. And if one, if the bills don't get paid and lights get turned off, they don't get just turned off on one of you. They get turned off on both of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, Thaney, thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts. I, I really appreciate you uh, talking to us. Uh, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. We are talking about money and marriage with Estado and Chanel Outlaw. They are um, a couple that's been married for four years. They have a, a brand new baby. He's seven weeks seven weeks old and he is really quiet and i hope he stays uh, quiet in the engineering room for right now because uh, that means that he is definitely in a safe place but we're talking tonight about how marriage and money work together and how also they may not work together we're going to be talking about some of those potholes and speed bumps as well t calling from maryland drew calling from D.C. Do not hang up. Stay on the line. We're going to be talking to you next. So stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. This conversation continues on Sirius XM Channel 141. Lines are still open at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. We're talking about money and marriage. Can the two work well together? Estado and Chanel Outlaw are co-authors of Merging Finances, an Interactive Couples Guide, Five Essential Keys to Merging Your Finances Successfully. If you have a comment or a question, give us a call at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Drew, calling from D.C. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Okay, can you hear me fine? I most certainly can. Go right ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, so a little message for the couple. Uh, I will tell you, I've, I've been uh, married for 14 years. Some of the things that you need to be thinking about, money and marriage do go well in hand when you have a plan. And the things that you need to be thinking about now, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a good job when I got married. She, she didn't have uh, 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 the finances, but she had support and vision. And the point that I'm making is, is as you compound and you, you determine what your interests are, do you want to invest together? you got to be linked on that. And the questions you really need to be asking yourself is, and for anyone thinking about it, is what, are your, what is your plan when you don't agree? And what is your plan when you think the marriage may or may not work? I mean, like it or not, there's a high divorce rate. And the best thing that you can do for your marriage with money is ensure that you don't hurt one another. Make sure that money continues to grow because you brought a seven-week-old baby into the world. You need to have a way that's going to grow that money for that child. And you have to be really understanding each other in terms of a, a, a linked view of where you're headed. And I've seen so many people just destroy their wedding on poor choices, whether it's the husband or whether it's the wife, on either material things or things don't add value. Yeah. So I would just leave you add value to your relationship by making sure that any money you spend pays you money when you're sleeping. That, that's one thing that I'll say, the best thing you can do for your marriage, whether it works or whether it don't work, and don't hurt each other if the marriage don't work because you got married for a reason. Uh, Drew, chapter five, key number five, the action plan. I think they are already well ahead of you, but thank you so much for uh, giving us a call. Your, your, your thoughts about what Drew was just sharing, Estado. 
Hey, Drew, thank you for calling in and thank you for your um, your feedback. I agree with you 100 um, percent. Our first two dates, that was always part of the conversation. I mean, every every conversation we had, finances was at, was at the forefront because it's something that's very important to me. And don't get me wrong. I'm a man of God. I believe in Christ. I, that's that's my foundation. But at the same time, I'm not foolish. Like, a house divided cannot stand. So if we're not on the same page with our finances, regardless if we're equally yoked in our finances or in all these other different areas, that's just one more area that the devil can creep in and, and can separate us and, and tear us apart. Hmm. So since day one, we've been talking about, um, my wife said she wanted to be a Simon. I didn't know what that was. A what? She, she can elaborate. A Simon. <laughs> a Simon. A Simon that's someone actually a, a commercial um commercial developer owner so like mall the mall simon, simon oh Properties. yeah oh, the yeah. the the, mm-hmm. uh, the commercial developer company mm-hmm. simon yes, yes i'm familiar okay yeah. so yeah. that was my aspiration to to the ownership of having um different commercial properties um different um just real estate investment period mm-hmm. uh that was just uh, just the gold of of, of mine mm. so that was a part of our very first first conversations initially mm-hmm. so i told her my aspirations i wanted rental property I want to have a trucking company. I want to make more money passively uh, in my spare time than I do on my my full-time job. Mm -hmm. I want passive income that's residual. Mm. So if I I take any trip, I want my my tenants to be paying for my trip. If, If we, I don't know, if we splurge, if we go out and decide to do any of those things, I want my investments to pay for it. I don't want to have to trade time for dollars. So, and this is the the question that I had before the break Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) uh, so if and and you kind of address this a little bit Chanel where you said you have separate accounts Mm -hmm. because we've had other guests on the program who talk about the merging uh, I mean, it, and and they don't have separate accounts. And the thing that I've always questioned about that is how can you or your husband surprise you with a gift of love? And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, opening up an IRA. That ain't sex. Come on now. That I mean, I get it. I, you know, I I get the first question. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, what what was trippingly on your lips, Estado, before that first kiss? Yeah, yeah. Bonds and securities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't, don't forget the trust. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's right. Two kinds of trust. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. But but how do people do that? I mean, if you want to surprise him with, you know, a you know, a new watch or something like that, if your 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 finances, your your accounts are fully combined, you know, if you, I'm just throwing this out. If you want to buy him a two thousand dollar watch and and he's going to get, you know, a ding on his on his uh, phone that says. You know, you you've just somebody's just just taken two thousand dollars out of your account, and he's going to flip. So how how do you surprise each other with those kinds of things that cost money? 
So I can speak on, I had a conversation prior to getting married. Um, we tell all couples uh, to do two types of uh, premarital classes. Do one as a group so that you can, you know, hear everybody else's <laughs> problems. Like <I> used to <laughs> say. <laughs> and then do one with the, uh, the pastor or the officiant so that, that, those conversations that you don't want to have openly that you can have privately. Um, and then, you know, when you tell everyone that you're getting married, um, you have everyone that gives you, uh, as they say, their wisdom and opinion. And so uh, during that time, there was someone who did say that they do have um, their bank account and everything is just one. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I had the same question. And so they gave me the answer that said, you learn how to be creative. And they've been married for uh, almost 12 years now. And so when they want to buy some, like a, a $2,000 watch, um, they I said at the end of the month, they check you know, the actual statements so that during that whole month, you know, you can kind of plan around that, you know. So, for example, um, if you know your billing statement is due the 15th of every month and then you know that you guys are both going to look at the billing statement because now you're going to make this, um, you know, payment towards this credit card. OK, fine. We're going to actually I'm going to purchase the gift you know, here, and then I'm going to give the gift before the billing statement, you know. So certain things like that, they said that they were being creative with, um, even um, having Monday money in regards to um, with their check uh, check card, right? So they can transfer the money um, to their checking card, uh, their banking card, um, instead of having it all on, you know, one set of card. Uh, so certain things like that, that they said that they actually do. For us, um, we use our separate bank accounts. Yeah, and, because, and so you don't have to worry, worry about, about because that. Because I think a lot of people, when you're being... What's the word you use? Creative. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, when you when you have a spouse who is really creative with money, yeah. often sometimes that creativity can get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me let me slide this money out before the bank statement. So that yeah. that sounds like a, a much more um, intense conversation. Before I go back to to the phones, I, I do want to drill down a little bit on something that I think is really important. And Estado, you, you spoke about it before we came on, on the air. Understanding your money language, and you say it's much like understanding one's love language. What does that mean? So, what's his name? Gary Chapman. Mm. Um, he has a yeah, book so called... The, the, love, the uh, Five Love Languages. The Five Love yes. Languages. So, for your money language, it's pretty much a profile for how you internalize and view money right so you have the driver the expressive the analytic and the amiable and each one of these profiles um, is very unique and very distinguishable from all the other characteristics or profiles so I'll just go between I'll just explain my wife's and I's mm -hmm. profile so my, my profile is the analytic so I'm very structured very meticulous very organized very intentional very much a long-term planner when it comes to money. Um, my wife is an amiable. She views money as love. Um, she likes to give gifts. How did, that, how did I know that? Right? How did I know that? Go ahead. So understanding um, these two different profiles, when we have these conversations about finances, now that I understand her love language, it makes me more appreciative of the value she brings to this marriage. So some people I've been known to be a tightwad a spendthrift a person who's going to hold on to every single dime 
for a special occasion, right? But, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. No. But when is the occasion? But, but, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, but at the same time, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't take as many breaks. I wouldn't take those much, very much needed trips. I wouldn't consider, you know, mental health as much as I do now because my wife is that person who naturally her money language is, is gift giving. Mm-hmm. So she's considering in that way and thinks of me in that way. And I'm very appreciative because prior to her, prior to, prior to being with her, I would take a trip maybe every three years, maybe. And mm-hmm. now she's like, we got to go on one every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but that, I would imagine that is less about money mm-hmm. and more about mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. And the, and the emotional health of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't go, um, the money isn't the only thing that will be tight. Your voice mm-hmm. may be tight. Your yeah. heart may be tight because mm-hmm. you don't have an opportunity to relax and spend time with her. Mm-hmm. So, and, and with that being said, you made a good point. And so what I had to learn in regards to when I have an idea or anything that I would like to do, I used to just tell him. And then it just we just used to bump heads and like he's like, I, I'm no, I don't want to do that. So he's like, you have to talk to me in numbers. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So yeah, I don't know what that means either. Me either. But I learned what that actually meant to him. If I want to do something, I have to come from that financial standpoint. So even though that mental health that taking those vacations, someone like him and his financial profile, they're like, no, if I don't have it, if I don't have it now, then we're not going to do it. So I had to learn and to show him the numbers to say, you can still do and still work towards that financial goal, even if you even if we take a little bit here and, and it's not the whole thing. You know, sometimes when you give an idea, the person thinks, oh, no, we can't do it. It's, it's going to cost us this amount of money. No, it's, it may not even cost you. There's things you can do um, effectively and efficiently with money. You know, you can go on a date and it could be in the house. You know, you could spend a certain amount of money. You know, if you want to now they have this thing due to the pandemic, staycations. Yeah. You know, you can do now a, a staycation. So there's different ways going back to that creative. You can be very creative in how you all spend money, you know. So, so let me make sure I understand this. So you're saying to talk to you about numbers, you may you needed her to say this is the idea, but this is how we can do it instead of just saying this is what I want to do. Yes, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I want to answer your previous question mm-hmm. about how do you be creative and surprise your significant other even though your your accounts are joint. Right. So one thing that I did to really surprise my wife was take her to Paris. All expenses paid, five-star hotel. Um, only thing we didn't get was first-class seats. Okay. Right? So I really pulled out the red carpet for her. Right? So how did I do that if our accounts emerged? So it took some convincing, but she finally came around to the idea of using credit cards to make daily purchases. And I was she she she's not that kind of person. She Daily rather, purchases, um, gas, oh, okay. groceries, <clears throat> fast food, things of that nature, you know. But she's a person who would prefer to use cash. Right. Right. So, I wanted her to do that so we can build up cash back rewards, and um, membership bonus rewards. So, every single month there was a different card that we would rotate 
that gave us the most benefit for our cars. So one month it might be Discover Cash, Discover It um, card because it gave, gives you 5% cash back in certain spending areas. One month it might be an American Express Gold or Platinum. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to go stay somewhere, we're going to use the American Express Platinum because it gives you the most re- rewards points if you stay in hotels and flights. But that... Having owned one mm-hmm. I, I, and stopped because dropping $450 a year mm-hmm. uh, and maybe because I did not travel mm-hmm. that much. But to to me, that was cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, after you know, that's that's $450 for, you know, it's for the privilege of using a credit card mm-hmm. to pay mm-hmm. you. At the end of the month, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know that that uh, you know that dog don't hunt, as far as I'm concerned. But obviously, you know, uh, you know, bonjour. Uh, <laughs> let me go to the phone lines two zero two three one nine seven eight one zero two zero two three one nine seven eight one zero T. Oops, we lost T. Let's go to Manny. Manny calling from Maryland. Thanks for calling, Manny. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm, I'm good evening, sir. My name is Manny. I'm calling from Maryland. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, like you said, um, morning and love is quite different in the trust me. It's like uh, a, a, an educated woman with money, they tend to be arrogant. Like the same thing goes to a rich man married into a relationship, they tend to be arrogant too because... Whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on, Manny. Um... I I uh I got you at Manny from Maryland. But there is nothing that suggests that a woman who earns her own living is arrogant. Mm-hmm. And perhaps I would argue that you are meeting the wrong women. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I just that that is not an argument that I, I even remotely feel comfortable uh, stomaching because there are some arrogant women out here who, you know, don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. So I don't I don't think that that having money has anything to do with arrogance. Um, Sorry to interrupt. It's about eighty percent out of hundred. It goes to men. It goes both sides. Men with money and they become arrogant. Trust me, because like they don't listen to you, they think that because I have the money, I have the right to say whatever. I'm in charge. That's how it goes. That I've been there. I know what I'm saying. Yeah. So let me let me say this, and then I'll have my my guests say this. Uh, maybe they don't listen to you because they don't like your tone. That's a possibility. But uh, Estado, your thoughts about that? My thoughts are having more money just exposes who you are at your core. So if <laughs> we're on the live, we're live, you know, but so I don't know. Having the money is just more money is just going to expose more of the type of person you are, whether it's good or bad. So that's that's all I'm really going to say about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you if you are a giving person. <laughs> and yeah. if you have more money, you may be in a position to give more, whether it is to charity, to those who need it, to your church, to establishing your own organization to help those in need. Uh, you know, um, I, 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 yeah, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> the it doesn't it doesn't 
for for I speak on for us because if you're with someone and I have a previous caller said who's been married for over 24 years that money you're growing like she said you got your lights your your basic necessity all that stuff so the more you all gain together it like he's like my husband said it's just going to probably show who that person was truly to their core so you probably didn't take the time to really get to know that person or that person has changed over time and what money can buy has changed them Mm -hmm. so it doesn't make the person necessarily arrogant because they have more money that's just who they are to their core yeah yeah, um, Manny, good luck to you. Let me go to Lisa calling from Maryland. Thanks for calling, Lisa. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, can you hear me? Go right ahead. Okay. Yeah, um, so I am one of the unfortunate few that, um, you know, are are struggling in their marriage due to money. And I'm trying to figure out um, how to how to join um, or how to figure out a way to work our different spending styles. So I heard a little bit earlier um, about the amiable spender and then the analytical. So I'm the analytical and my husband's the amiable, um, but we're both entrepreneurs. And so it's a very um, unstable uh, income situation for both of us. Um, But I tend to save more than he does. So so tell me what specifically is the problem. I mean, that, yes, couples who have marital problems as a result of money, that's not unusual. But why is this a problem in your marriage? If you could briefly share that. Um, so, in a brief way, his his spending habits aren't um, aren't able to contribute to our household. Mm. No. So you're saying he's spending money on things other than the household. Is that correct? Correct. So, like, for example, I would prioritize bills, utilities, um, rent, car notes, those type of things. I focus on first and foremost before I can go shopping or before I can eat out or before I can do my nails or my hair. Whereas... With him, it would be, you know, I just got paid. I'm going to go get some toys for the kids, or I'm going to take them out for pizza. I want to treat them to ice cream, get new shoes. Um, and it's, it's clashing because um, it, doesn't, it doesn't help us. And we end up in situations where I'm having to empty out a savings account to catch up on bills or having to um, default on bills and it's affecting our credit score. Yeah. Let me me see what my guests can uh, share with you. Uh, Chanel, I'll let you go first. Um, I want to say first, thank you for sharing um, just a a brief about um, in regards to your marriage. Um, For for us, that... I, I was your husband 
kind of still am in a certain ways, but I've matured. Um, in the beginning, when we did get together, we had those that that argument and those conversations and those really tough nights because I was just, hey, I just want to, I just want us to go. I just want us, you know, go out to eat, do this. And he was just like, no, we still have to prioritize. And so it started with, and what we highlighted in our book is have that you have to really have a conversation and then once you get past that conversation the next thing to do is to be able to respect each other's understanding and perspective of um, your money language so someone like for him he knew that like anytime I got paid I wanted to do something and so instead of taking that away or um, making me feel bad about it um, he said hey let's try something new why don't we set a actual spending limit if I know you want to do something how about this weekend you only spend 150 you know, you still get a chance to do something that you want to do, but it's not you're not spending all of your money, you know, and you're not looking at me the next following week like, oh, I need gas money, you know. So and he said and it is that brings that, you know, frustration. Um, one thing that I was able to um, accept from him is that he has an Excel spreadsheet. And he looks, every bill is mapped out. Today, you can ask him in December uh, exactly how much money he's going to have in his checking account. He can tell you from from the dollar amount to the actual dime. And for me, I, I didn't have that. I wasn't that type of person to actually know. So we had to work together um, to build that. So I had to become humbled um, in a way to actually accept his help. And then he also had to be um, understanding of what made me happy internally. Um, so to make money, it's it's great, but I was that person to say, I want to go put a smile on someone's face. You know, I'm that type of person that if it's my last dollar, I'm going to give it to the homeless person, you know, and some people don't think or feel like that. And so for me, I had to learn, I don't have to give money. You know, I can give my resources in different ways. You know, it's my time. You know, if even if I can't give that homeless person, a person a, a dollar today, hey, I'm going in the grocery store, I can buy you a, a water. You know, I would, I would say to, to the two of you, Asado and Chanel, that it appears at face value the thing that you two have that Lisa and her husband may not have is the willingness to submit to each other, to the willingness to try to work it out, <clears throat> the willingness to meet each other halfway because as Estado said earlier, you know, don't forget the trust. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the, the <laughs> bank trust. Mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is quite obvious to me that you two trust that you have each other's financial well-being in in, in at heart. Yeah, yeah. And it seems based on and we haven't obviously we haven't heard from her spouse but assuming that uh that Lisa is is fully accurate in what she is sharing with us there's an impasse here. Mm -hmm. A a thing that he is not willing or cannot do and which has put them in this not only difficult financial situation but difficult marital situation yeah um 
and I'll speak to Lisa directly. I want to say thank you for sharing, and I hear you loud and clear. I am you, and my wife would be your husband. So what changed in our marriage is when, for a moment, I stopped talking about money because it was just frustrating me to the point where it became very difficult to, I don't know, just have these conversations and remain civil, remain in a a frame of mind where you're not becoming so frustrated that you you shut down or you you can't articulate what you're saying because you're so emotional, all right? So I started speaking from the heart and I also went back to our non-negotiables. When we took premarital class, we did a homework assignment called non-negotiables. Um, and we also wrote down what our wants and our needs were. So we had a heart to heart and we had to keep coming back and revisiting that. And I had to put it in the forefront of her, her mind and her psyche. These are the things I want out of life. And if I don't attain them, if I don't get them, I'm going to feel unfulfilled and I'm not going to be happy. So, and that's going to come at another cost in our marriage. I'm not saying divorce, but it's going to cost us in some form or another. So I stopped more so talking about money and started talking more so about my dreams and aspirations and how you, your actions are making it more difficult and taking longer for us to achieve them. So, and, and I really had to break it down. Um, there's a saying that pe- people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. And so I had to really, really sit down and be intentional about mapping out a five-year to 10-year goal. I said, hey, you want to live in a certain zip code? We want our kids to go to a certain school. We want our kids to be eligible and college ready to go to certain schools. These are the things that need to start happening today or they're going to compile and it's going to set us behind. So what I did was I said, this is where we are today. This is where we want to be in five years or 10 years. And we just had to make a meet in between. And I had to make it very clear is that your, our disposable income is what's going to afford us the opportunities to make our hopes and dreams come to reality. It's our disposable income, that money that is, that is left over after we have paid for all the things that we prioritize. So I just, Lisa, I had a heart-to-heart with her. And, and, and like uh, Harold said, it's the willingness. She heard me wholeheartedly, and I told her, like, these are the things that are at my core. I'm passionate about it. And if you can't respect that, then we're going to have some problems. You know, so the willingness. It was it was definitely the willingness. And I, I will say, too, Lisa, too, that um, we highlight that in the book, too, our non-negotiables um, in, in our chapter about um, building trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tell everyone to write out your as um, one of the assignments, we have a couple assignments in within the book, and one of the couple of assignments is going to tell you to write out your five top financial goals. And so when you write out your five top financial goals, you and your spouse, you and your partner, you guys get a chance to actually have a conversation about that. And then you talk about your non-negotiables and all these other different things as well. Lisa, thank you so much for, for calling. And um, to you and all of our listeners, we will be putting uh, the information on our website on whur.com uh, for the outlaws because they have an event coming up in December. And that's on your, is that on the website as well? Yes. We will make sure that that website is on our website as well as this conversation mm-hmm. on whur. Lisa, thank you so much for calling in and good luck to you. Estado, Chanel, 
Thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate I you coming you. in. Lion, take care, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that is The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141 for this Friday, October 27th. For News Director Renee Nash, reporters Millette Green, Bramante Bryan, intern Imani Rhodes, and engineer Bobby Adams, I'm Harold Fisher. Good night and have a safe weekend.